Welcome back, everyone, to episode 24 of the Rally Report podcast. Joining me today is a man of many talents, former professional broadcaster, and now the head coach of Penn, and most importantly, soon-to-be father, Gilly Lane. Welcome. How are you doing? John, thanks for having me. I, uh, you know, all the guys on my team have been on the show, so I was, when you, uh, when, you when I got the invite, I was really excited, and um, yeah, just really, really looking forward to, uh, to chatting today, and uh, yeah, you've been doing a great job, and the podcast has been amazing, so. Um, great work by you. Oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I've literally had everyone on, pretty much most people on the team. <laughs> and then last, last but not least, the head coach. But yeah, no, just going straight into it. What's been going on with you with the season being over now? Um, For sure. I'm sure you've been busy um, with. Just yeah. decompressing after the season. I mean, I think the, the you know, before going in, you know, before talking about the season, it's just, just great to have squash again. You know, we've had, you know, two, you know, almost, you know, a year and a half off with COVID and, you know, okay, we're coming back and then we're not coming back. And, and the kids are, we're trying to figure out how to, how to train the kids during COVID. And then, um, you know, I think as coaches, our lives are such go, 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 go. And then we have this full stop. So this, this first year back was, um, it was intense, you know? And so like to be able to decompress this spring has been nice. And like you said, uh, waiting for uh, the arrival of my first, my first child, a uh, little baby boy, which we can't wait. So there's some excitement, you know, you know, to look forward to for sure. Some nervousness. Um, but yeah, yeah this, the season was, it was a magical season. I mean, it, it, it you know, everyone's going to look at the, the last match, but I think for those of us that were a part of it every day, um, it was just something that was just out of this world and, and something that, you know, we, thought about and, and, and targeted, uh, in terms of the results and the expectation, but the, you know, with the expectations coming in, but, you know, it was just, I mean, it was magical, man. I, I just don't know. I don't know how else to put it. I, it was just the right combination of players, matches, um, chemistry, just everything. And it all clicked. And, um, you know, I think, uh, a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people and they asked me how I'm doing and, I said, you know, now that I get to look back on it, it's just w what a year. And to say mm -hmm. that we, we're probably, you know, it's going to go down as one of the best teams in Penn history, you know, athletics history, yep. you know. And so it mm -hmm. it created so much buzz and, at the school, and um, it just was an honor to be a part of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I wanted to ask you, when, at what point did it hit you, like, before the season that, oh, shit, we have a real shot at winning the well, I mean, honestly, when Andrew and Yasha's senior year and Ryan Murray was a part of that, when they, when that got wiped out, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you, honestly, yeah. you've got to be kidding me. Because Andrew was like part of my first class when I was head coach. So you're always measured based on that first four-year cycle, right? Mm -hmm. and, and in terms of like what you've done. And, and I was like, well, this was my go. Like, this is, this is Andrew's senior year. We have Yash. We have, you know, we have Ryan. And then we had, obviously we had Ollie and we had James and, and, you know, we were building and it was like, we had just gotten to that national championship final. I'm like, we're ready to go. Like we're primed. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's like nothing. And then the Ivy league opens up this waiver and you have to remember, you know, for those who don't know, I mean, basically these kids were taking that extra year on their own, meaning financially, you know, in terms of it was up right. to them. And so mm -hmm when both Andrew and Yash wanted to come back, they applied to school and then they got in. I was like, uh-oh, 
pressure <laughs> big time you know and I, but then yeah, i was yeah. like let's go let's go let's go like this is incredible and really in september uh when when the freshmen come in and you, you know you you know how good everyone is on paper but yeah. then when you see them in practice but it wasn't the talent per se sean it was just the team is like like this i mean they are so tight i mean the chemistry the culture right now and that's one thing the credit to to the grad students and the seniors that they've come in and built this culture that 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 is just so strong i mean when when people talk about our team i think they talk about the bond that the players had and i knew that bond was just something different there was something special about it and i was like okay this is this is totally different there's a different feel here and we got into the season and for the past five, six years, we've always been the people with the team that's chasing the top teams. So it's easy to be that right. team. So it's, it's exciting. It's like, okay, we have no pressure on us. Like, let's go get it. And then we got that curse of like, we did the preseason ranking show, which frankly was my idea, but I was then upset that I made put this idea out there. And then we got <laughs> the number one ranking preseason. And I'm like, you know what? Shit, we're like, we're, we're, we're being chased now. You know, and like, yeah. this is, this is a totally different pressure, but, um, I knew that that first weekend, I mean, Drexel's so good. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think they're always one of the toughest teams to play. And when we beat them nine zero, I was like, Whoa, okay. Like maybe we got lucky there. Like, okay, let's go see, you know, what happens there. Then we played, we played UVA and it, we won eight one and UVA is really good. Like, and mm-hmm. if you ask any of the boys before those matches, I was I was on them. I mean, I was pretty like, you know, these are, these are massive matches and they always are because they've got talented kids that are, um, that are fighters. And, um, and when we won those two matches, I was like, Oh, okay, we got something going here. And just the attitude of the team and everything. It was, that's when I looked at Stuart and Jack and I said, okay, we got, we got something really good here. And, and, um, let's see how it plays out. Yeah. And, Something in very specific that I wanted to ask you was that last match in the finals with Nathan. Uh, to, I'm sure it was an incredible amount of pressure to that he had to shoulder on. But as someone who's there to watch it in person, I thought it was so cool that to paint the pictures, you, you grabbed a chair and then you put on a court right next to you. And you didn't have it facing towards the audience, but towards the front wall. And I was just so curious, what as a coach, what do you, what do you tell him in between games before the match when you know it's It's, the gravity of something like that yeah to paint the picture i mean i mean sean you were there i think there's a thousand people there i think a thousand people watching and it was it was a spectacle and it was one of the coolest moments i mean obviously the match didn't go the way we wanted but i can tell you right now i'll never forget that moment i know exactly what i said i know why i did everything um you know I think the fire code at Penn is like is like two fifty six. By the way, I just saw that the other day. So I was looking at pictures from the match, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, and pictures of the match had started to come out, and they've started to surface a little bit. And and it's just it's a picture that's going to go up in my on my office. Another conversation, but um, I remember talking to James Flynn, and and, and we said, "Okay, we got to keep him calm." And and James was with me, and we brought that chair over there because there was just literally nowhere to, to move. Right. And we wanted mm-hmm. to keep him totally far away. And, and, and it happened to be that he had played Ito on that court in January, except that the match mm-hmm. was already over. So we had already beaten them. And that was just kind of the last match on, I think we were five, we were five, three up and it was kind of an exhibition match. Right. 
and yeah. him, and and, I, and Nate goes, I, I just said, hey, you ready? And he goes, oh, are you kidding? Like, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait. He's nervous. And I'm not, no, no, I'm not nervous. And I turned to him and I said, listen, buddy, win or lose, we love you. You're the guy that we want in this position to play. And we're going to have your back no matter what. And you could just see the smile on his face. And he's had such a successful year. Mm-hmm. And there, and unfortunately, you know, he had a shin issue earlier in the year and it started to creep up. And I, I think it was kind of the, the to- like having played two five game matches, the, the, the two previous days and, and his semifinal match with Brian Leonard was epic. I mean, I've never seen a crowd chant his name for, you know, you have students across Penn chanting NTP. And TB, yeah. and you know, it's this kid from you know Sarawak, Malaysia, who has just—he's a quiet kid, but he's just made this massive presence on the team. And you know, it's surreal. It didn't go our way, but I mean, that conversation is close to my heart because that Nathan embodied everything that that team was about. It was about about you know, fight, fighting for your teammates, about wanting to wanting to do something that was larger than yourself. I mean, he wanted to win so bad for the team. And and I think what we all, you know, make the mistake of thinking is that he, he lost us the match, but he didn't lose us the match. He just happened to be the last person on court. You know, it's for all, it's for all in the national championship final. So everyone's like, and um, we all lost the match. I mean, that's, and that's what it, that's what it is. But I, had him face towards the wall because there were so many people there and I didn't want him to under like see how many people were looking down on him and add any pressure. So we tried to turn it now. Maybe I'll do that differently next time. So we get a different (laughs) result, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool picture. I mean, it was myself, it was Jack, it was James. We were all sitting there with him and we were just trying to isolate him from what's going on. But I think, you know, uh, there's not enough credit given to Ito in that match. I mean, he played so well. He was just very calm. He was precise. He almost used his experience. He's a little bit older. He's almost used mm-hmm. an experience in that big match situation, and, and he handled the pressure really well. And, you know, credit to him for, for switching that result from, from earlier in the year. So earlier in the year, you guys had beaten Harvard 6-3. I got that right? 6-3, yeah. yeah. Um, so on paper, that looks like a pretty convincing win. But before that finals, how were you personally feeling? Were you a little bit nervous of this could be very close? It's always hard to beat some a team like that twice in a year, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, it's hard to say, well, you know, they, they say, hey, Gilly, would you have traded, you know, would you have traded a loss in the in the regular season mm-hmm. for a win in the final? And I, and I don't really know because, to be honest, we, we haven't won the Ivy League since 1974, so, you know, to get that trophy and to have our name on that, it's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal for, you know, someone like myself who played for the team and, and, and we were never really close to winning that, that championship. And, and so, you know, it, the Ivy League title that is. So, like, beating our peers is always a big deal. And so to kind of put our name on that trophy was huge. Now, the match against Harvard, right, earlier in the season, you know, Dylan Huang, Huang was – two love down he won in five again so kind of the same result against adam yeah and i i mean adam i love adam adam's a great kid and and total respect for his game and dylan's played played two great matches it was kind of same court same thing happened it was i watched both of them you know from 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 beginning to end um you know ali obviously beat marwan early in the season 
And so we had that result uh, that that flipped. Then, you know, George Crown, you know, we, no one's been able to ever beat him and he beat us the first yeah. go. And, you know, and then so it really was back and forth. So I think, you know, the first one was six, three. Um, you know, some people will say, well, we're lucky to win that, you know, and, and but it could be some people would say that they were lucky to win the final. And mm-hmm. so I think it was honestly two of the most talented teams in, 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 in college squash history going against each other. Um, yep. And I think <laughs> we had a little bit tougher road to the final, um, mm-hmm. you know, getting Drexel, um, getting Drexel first round is never easy. Okay. And that took yeah. a lot out of us. And then Yale is, is strong and they're, and we had a battle with them in New Haven. So we were kind of thinking about that. And, and so to win, we had some long matches and then, and obviously COVID hit the bottom part of the draw and, um, you know, hit Trinity pretty hard and hit Princeton, hit Princeton pretty hard as well. Um, and so, yeah. Um, maybe we're a little unfortunate there, but I, you know, again, you got to beat everyone in order to win. So, yeah. Um, it's a long winded answer, but it, I, you try to always think about the next match. So you, you go into, you go into the final thinking, okay, well, we won here before. Um, if we win here again, obviously it would be okay, but we didn't ever think it was that, that easy, you know? And so in yeah. the first, and, and also, you know, Yash was down against Liam in the first go around and then came back and won and, and, you know, Liam switched that re- result too. So there was a bunch of flip, you know, flipping around for sure. I mean, just for the point of view of a spectator to watch finals like that, I think that was the most entertaining finals. For yeah, it was closest. Yeah. My wife was sitting, she didn't come to any other of the matches, but she came to the match, uh, the finals and she was sitting behind me and she's, you know, she's doing a couple weeks and I was actually nervous for her being there because of the stress levels on the baby. <laughs> and so um, it, it was tense. I mean, the crowd was, the crowd was, the crowd was great. It crossed the, crossed the line maybe a couple of times, but I think in terms of bringing like that energy and enthusiasm, you know, mm-hmm. um, to the, to the sport, like it was incredible. Like it, 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 it didn't feel like a squash match. It, it felt no, yeah. like, it felt like a four and a half hour playoff basketball game, you know, and it was amazing to play in that atmosphere and play in front of our home crowd and play in front of, you know, the, the, the staff at Penn who put so much time into these, these kids, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were there and they were, they were just ready to go. And the enthusiasm of seeing sport like in person, it was just, it was a beautiful thing. It was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, It was, yeah, it was, I mean, Despite the result, it was just fantastic display of what the sport could be in terms of Definitely. the entertainment side of it. Definitely. But, yeah. Uh, I don't want to beat around the bush on this, but I think I would be remiss not to mention the decision that the, so It should many be called people, the decision. I, you know, the decision just... <laughs> um, <laughs> that everyone was talking about after, I think it was the match with Andrew Douglas versus Victor. Um, yeah. That fourth game, um, it's quite a conversation after. I think it was also posted on Facebook on Squash Stories, and there was a heated pretty healthy debate going conversation on. on Squash Stories. Yeah. Pretty, pretty healthy, yeah. <laughs> but wanted to hear your take on that situation. You know, I think looking back on it, 
obviously like on our side, we're going to think it's a bad call. Right. And, and, yeah. and, um, you know, listen, first and foremost, you know, to just start, I mean, you've got someone who's 25 in the world and Victor, you know, playing in, in, in big situation. And then, and obviously Andrew who, you know, Andrew and Ali are going to go down as two of the best players to ever play at the program. And a lot of people don't know, like, and, and one of the things that, you know, was tough about the season, Sean, is that we, we now, we played our full lineup. We played our full lineup like three times the entire year, our best nine players Mm -hmm. three, three times because of injury. Andrew was playing. Andrew was basically good for one match a weekend at that point and starting to get better. So like for him to play as well as he did in that match was incredible. It just kind of shows his, like his determination, like to play for the team, to play for something bigger than himself, to like the, like the bond that this group has, because like, there was no way he was letting any of those guys down. Like he was going to, he was going to die out there if he needed to, you know, and Ollie was yeah. dealing with a knee thing and, 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 and James was dealing with a hamstring thing that he basically, James basically tore, you know, his hamstring like in January and worked his way back to get back for the nationals, like didn't play after the Yale match. So like the resolve and like the, the fight of the guys was incredible. Now I watched two rallies of Andrew Douglas's match Two, I watched the call before the decision. Yeah. And I watched the decision because at that moment, Nick, Nick had won or Nick, Nick yeah. had won. And I think Roger had won. And so we were two love up and I go, Oh my gosh, if we get this, we're going to be three. And we have Saksham coming up with Yash playing. Like we're, we're looking, we're looking strong. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's hard to watch back. It's hard to watch back to be honest, because yeah, it's a monumental decision, right? And and I think the hardest part is is that it it's right there in our grasp. And I think, you know, when you look at it and you look at it over and over again, I think any ref can look at it in a bunch of different ways and, and they can always kind of say, Oh, I made the call because of this. But I think um if you were to poll a lot of people, they would they would say they would say one thing over the other. And, um, you know, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because, um, you know, the opportunity was there to win it and credit to credit, credit to Victor at the end. Right. Like, I mean, he's, he comes back from that and he, and he wins the match. And then as you know, as a squash player, like momentum is, is, is critical. And right after that, the momentum swung a little bit because then Adam goes to love up and, you know, then Dylan seven, four down. And it's like, you know, yeah, it's just, we, I try not to watch that match too much, Sean. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. Like I watch all the rallies except for that one call. And, um, yeah. And the, the thing that's, the thing that's tough is tough for the seniors because, you know, again, there's nothing in the moment that I could say to comfort them. And that's what I told them. I said, there's nothing that I can do to say or, or take this thing away from the defeat and, and the, the, the tough thing I think people don't realize is it, as a coach, my, my plan is to be, be here for a really long time. So I'm going to get hopefully more shots at it. Those guys don't, they, that, that was Andrew and Yash. They came back to win a national championship, you know, and that's, that's, that's why they sacrificed so much is to win for the team. So, um, yeah, man, it was gut. I mean, that's, that was tough. It, it was yeah. tough. I, 
I haven't talked to many people on the other side, right? You know, mm-hmm. in terms of like many, many players on the Harvard team or coaches or alums or anything like that. But I think obviously I think on our side, we, we would have wanted it to go the other way. Yeah. All right. That, that was tough. Um, <laughs> I, well, what I, someone was there. Well, what, 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 I, what are your thoughts? Well, I thought it was funny because I think Andrew had reacted to the decision before, which I thought was correct. And then he prematurely celebrated. was 100% correct. Yeah. And I think he prematurely celebrated. So I thought he was trying to calm himself down. And I thought he should have outbursted on that second decision, which he did not. <laughs> which I, and then I was thinking, like, it's funny to me. I like, I've looked as someone who has no affiliation to either team. I've right. seen this. The more and more I look at it, it seems like a no light to me. Like at the he moment, hit pre- he, he hit a pretty good line. A pretty good, pretty line. pretty solid line, and I thought <laughs> Victor was kind of moving forward. So, a lot of a lot of different. But I am not 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 the ref, so I, I can't really. But I think, but I think the other thing as well is like there was opportunities for us as well in other in other matches, mm-hmm. and you know, again, like you know, I think if if um, you know if everyone was playing it playing it out, like you know, again, like that's an opportunity there, but then we had other opportunities and other matches to, to kind of get the fifth point. And so, um, you know, you, you have to take your opportunities, uh, when they come up and, and, and when you play a team that, that, that's that good, you can't give away anything like you have to. And I think the difference between the day now coming around it, the difference between the day in January and the day in in, uh, the finals was that we took advantage of all the little things, uh, the day we played the dual match. And I think mm-hmm. that was something that um, we didn't capitalize on on enough of of the things in the finals to to kind of get the result we wanted. Yeah, that's I I, yeah, I don't want to continue going down on that harp on that loss, but I I did want to kind of transition into had the pleasure of speaking to Stu Stuart Crawford and the brilliant mind squash mind he the has, br- and for sure. And I just wanted to hear the backstory about. I heard it on his side a little bit, but what gave, what made you give him the call for assistant coach? Well, you know, I think our big thing, you know, Jack and I is just like we want to surround ourselves with really talented people. Like, and, yeah. and so when you look at great organizations, great organizations have great people that that are talented in the air in 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 many different areas, and so like. I have this title of head coach, but like, but I want to be around smart, hardworking, knowledgeable people that are going to make the group better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when, you know, when we started looking after Dylan had gone to, 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 to Drexel, you know, I just said, you know, who who can we get? Like, you know, what, what, what do we need here? You know, and, um, started asking around and I had known Stu, uh, for a really long time, we played against each other um, on tour, same time, and you know we 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 hit it, like we just we just gelled. We are complete opposites, complete opposites, and he'll tell you that. And it's so funny. We had um, <laughs> we had um, one of my my best friends, uh, Joey Rejo, who coaches at Tufts, uh, was with us during I think it was the U.S. Uh, junior Nationals, and he goes. 
it's unbelievable how well you guys work together because I've never met two different people in my entire life. <laughs> and so, um, he's, he's, he's honestly, he, he, his squash IQ and his coaching ability is, is, un, is, is out of this world. And, um, a mutual friend of ours said he was, you know, he's in Japan. So I called him and I said, Hey, listen, you know, we need you to come help us win a national championship. And, mm -hmm. and he thought about it. And I think it was just kind of, yeah, okay, like, let's do it. And, you know, we, we do so much together. We converse on everything. Um, we talk so many times during the day about just different ideas how the programs run, you know, what our thought process is, what, what our kind of, what we want our, our kind of code of conduct and how we kind of, how we shape our weeks and our months. We, 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 we just, it just fits. And some, and for some reason, even like, you know, when opposites attract and, and, and uh, it just, it, we just love what we do and, and there's no ego involved, you know? And, and, and again, I think that's one of the biggest things is that, you know, we let each other kind of do what we need to do and it just works. And it, it having him has allowed, having him has allowed me to really kind of take a step back and look at the broader picture and kind of not supervised by any stretch, but like at practice, if he's running practice, then I can kind of oversee what's going on. And then I can have mm -hmm. little individual conversations here and there. So then I can really look, really look at something and, 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 yeah. and take somebody to side and say, Hey, you know what, let's look at this or let's look at that while a really good session is being run. Yeah. I see, this is what I think was super cool for me to see is, you know, you're speaking about ego and I think it's, it's funny cause you would expect, you would think that the head coach would always want to be just coaching the top players, which you don't, you don't do. And you don't, I, don't, I actually and I, don't. <laughs> and I think it's super cool that you'd. I think a lot of teams, the head coach just, you know, usually roams around the top three players and have their assistant coach take care of the rest. But yeah, I, that's it's what I found on so for cool. It's on relationship. Mm -hmm. So we, we, Stu's got a re great relationship with all the kids. They trust him implicitly, right? And honestly, like for us to be successful, it's, it's really like let, we need to coach on whatever court is going to make – whatever coach makes that player better and ha is more comfortable with, let's do it. I don't care what number yeah. it is, right? Because at the end of the day, it's the player playing, not the coach. We are there to provide support and help. And if one player wins, it's one point for the team. It all counts the same, right? And so what we do is is we talk to we, we talk to the players and we say, you know, kind of get a vibe of who who they're vibing with and who they want to coach them and things like that and yeah. again there's no ego there's there, there can't be because there needs to be comfort right and so you know sometimes we might switch you know mid 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 match like okay you go back to the glass and you come to court three and again at the end of the day it's all for the same goal the same goal is to 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 get to to win but do it the right way to have a great experience and and to enjoy it you know, enjoy, enjoy the time on court because, um, I think it would be detrimental to our team. If I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm the head coach. I'm going to coach court one. That doesn't make us better. You know, yeah. it makes us better having a coach on whatever court it is. That's going to get the best out of that kid on that day. Right. Yeah. And it could change depending on who we're playing. Right. And who's, and, and 
who Andrew would play against or something like that. You know, it really depends on the matchup. Yeah, hopefully a couple of coaches are tuning into this this part. <laughs> something they can take away. But <laughs> um, yeah, I um, also kind of want to now transition out for broader picture of what's what now? What's next for Penn? And uh, it is pretty uh, huge gaps and huge shoes to be filled now on for the team with where do you, yeah. how, how are you feeling about it? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like, so what's next year look like? And you're like, oh, well, you know, and oh, do you lose anyone? Yeah. We lose Andrew, Ollie, James, Yash, <laughs> you know, Chris, Zach, we lose six players. You know, those boys have done is have, they've established a culture, a culture that is now ingrained in our program of hard work, family, dedication, like, mm-hmm just integrity like they 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 were back at it pretty quick like this returning group um quicker than i thought they would be ready and i think a lot of people will count us out next year sean um mm. on uh, you know but not us but we 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 feel like we have an incredibly talented group we were really deep i think you know if anyone wanted to play us you know 15 strong this year that have been tough for them to beat us honestly because like I said earlier, we only played our, our top lineup uh, three times, you know, or something like that. I, I just, yeah. I think that the, it was Harvard. We played them the full lineup. Drexel, we played the full lineup. And maybe UVA. And that was it. You know, I think throughout the year, I, I, I could be, I could be wrong, but just because of injuries, but they've this, this notion of playing for each other and, and, and the bond that these guys have, it's, it's, it's infectious and like, and, and they are, they are ready to go. They, they want to start up again and, and I'm, I'm kind of holding them back. And so the goal is, is, is the same, Sean, it's, it's to compete hard, to do things the right way, uh, continue to build our culture. Always. The culture is the biggest part. And, uh, we've, we've got guys that want to be at Penn playing at the Penn squash center, representing the school, representing the program. And I can tell you right now, they are fighters. And mm-hmm. when you play us, you're always going to have a tough fight. And I, I, I love that from our boys. They have this kind of never say died attitude. And, you know, I think it's going to be the biggest loss of talent in college squash, in men's college squash history this year. Just when you look at the, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I didn't I didn't look at the All-American list, Sean, before, but you might know. Um, I don't know how many returning All-Americans there are. I think there's out of 20, there might be like three. So you have. Yeah, I think I was reading the CSA article. They said on the first team, everyone's a returner. Yeah, no no space for anyone new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, no. I'm saying, but I'm I'm saying like they're all like. So you have Andrew graduating, you have Ali graduating, you have Yusuf graduating, Victor. You know, obviously next year coming back, you have Ali Hussein, and and you have Marwan, and you have Omar El Torki and Matias, um, but and Veer as well. Don't forget Veer, Mm -hmm. um, but. I think it's going to level out. I think you're going to see one of the most uh, competitive seasons in college squash history. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to have an opportunity to win. And um, it's, it's really going to be match by match and see yeah. how it no, goes. It's, you're already getting me excited for next season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just finished this season. But I, a quick, quick side question was, do you ever think CSA will ever 
get to the level that it had reached this year in terms of just the sheer talent? I hope it does. I, I think I think college squash right now is probably the best product we have in our game. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at that national final and you were there. I have friends that were there saying it was one of, and they've been to a lot of sporting events saying it was one of the best sporting events they've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Which when you hear that, you're like kind of get goosebumps because you're like squash, like what? Like, like yeah. it was so charged. Um, I think it's gaining traction. And and I, I think you have the reason it was so talented this year, obviously was COVID and, and people taking gap years and coming back. And then you have this like big group of talented individuals on both sides, the men and the women. Um, but who knows? I mean, I, I think, I think next year, I don't, I'm not going to say it's a down year by any stretch. It's just going to be a different mm-hmm. type of competition. And I think you're going to see people, um, you know, I think the deeper lineups are going to be very, are, are going to be very successful. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think again, it's, it's a great part about of our game is that every, you know, five through nine count the same as one through four, you know? And so, yeah. um, but to answer your question, I, you know, I definitely think there's a little bit of a drop off, but, but it, Marwan Tarek's a world-class player. You know, guy won the <laughs> yeah. world juniors. So, um, and Matias, ridiculous player, you know, Ali, Hussein, ridiculous player. You know, we got some good players coming back too. I mean, I think in everyone, everyone's, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't be too quick to write us off. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And I'm excited about, I'm excited about the group we have next year and, and oh. what they're already doing and, um, and just what they, what they represent. It's, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I feel very lucky to do what I do with the people that we that I get to do it with. Yeah, uh, Gil, you're you're heavily involved with U.S. Squash as well. I saw that you're a board board member. Is that is that right? F- former board member, uh, former board former okay. um, athlete rep. Um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of when I was playing, I, I did it all. Talked talked my way into um, assistant junior national team coach. Begged <laughs> actually begged Adam Hamill to uh, to hire me. Um, which was, um, you know, which was amazing. It, it kind of started my, my love for coaching and passion to work with, with, mm-hmm. with, with, with players and, and, and help them with the next step. But, um, and then I was involved with, um, uh, the collegiate program, which was helping the college U S college squash players transition from college squash into professional squash. And that was started by Rich uh-huh. Wade, who is, uh, Rich Wade, who was working at U S squash at the time. And is now uh, the director of squash at uh, Philadelphia Great Club, and mm-hmm. so we were basically teaching those guy, the guys and girls, about the process of joining the tour, what they needed to do in the summer, how you needed to train as professional, how you sign up for tournaments, you know, everything stuff that we didn't yeah. have growing up, and um, yeah, it was fantastic. Now. Uh, I'm starting to step away from those roles a little bit now soon with a, with a, with a, with a child on the way, but I'm, I, I try to help in any way that I can. And I always feel like it's my duty, uh, to give back Mm -hmm. to the next generation. And, and I just wish I had people. And now you see all these players coming through with, with Spencer, Timmy, Andrew, um, you know, they've had a generation now before them that's played pro and kind of done it. And I kind of, we never had that feedback during my time. Yeah. And, and this is something that I kind of wanted to speak to you about was this, the state of us junior squash right now. I think in all honesty, I think there has been a drop off in terms of level 
And I can kind of see that even through your roster, you, you know, there's more international throughout CSA in general. And I wanted to hear what you thought, you know, us squash should do. Cause it, to me, to be quite frank, it seems pretty stagnant right now. I think, I mean, you have to remember though, that the, you can't have generation after generation after generation. Every, every, every country goes through that. Right. And I mean, yeah, Egypt is, is obviously crushing it in terms of the scene. Right. But Mm. if you compared their generation to the Rami's generation, right. Or, or, you know, you would say the same thing. You would just say, you would say, Oh my gosh, well, this is not as good as, as Rami and Mossad. I mean, like, their world junior team was Rami, Tarek Momin, Omar Mossad, and I think Ali Ali Reda, who got to like twenty two in the world. Like, I mean, it's absurd, right? Like, so like, you, you know, I mean, I think they won the world juniors in New Zealand. I could be totally wrong, but you know, I think COVID had something to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think it's getting harder and harder to get recruited. You know, I, I, I think mm-hmm. you know again, it's it, as the games become more international, and I, I think people are it's. It definitely, you know, and in terms of spots, you know, unfortunately we lost some programs and, and we can't afford to lose any programs, which then is spots. And um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I'm, I'm jumping around your question. I, I know I am, but, um, <laughs> but, but the, the, I will say the two generations before. So like when you had Andrew Spencer, Andrew Spencer, Timmy, um, Gabe Morgan, Sam Sherrill, like very strong at the Worlds. The team that was about to go to the Worlds that got canceled with Dylan, Rossini, Nick Spaziri, Dana Santry, the Miles McIntyre, very strong. Right. Mm-hmm. And they and they grew up playing a lot of European events. And I think because they played a lot of international events, you actually saw how st- they became stronger because they were playing against international competition. Now with COVID. Yeah everything shut down our players are not getting that same level of competition and so i think you know you you have you have players coming through now and i don't know necessarily if i'm allowed to to mention their names just from a from a collegiate from a, from a rule yeah. standpoint <laughs> the regulations, but i can tell yeah. you right now that there are players coming through that are getting back into that competition and i think you're going to see them do very well and, and, I, yeah. and I think, you know, again, access to courts during COVID, like how did that, you know, how does that factor in? And, and I think you're seeing it in different countries all over the world. You know, I think when you construct a team and, and everyone's looking at the, the Americans on the roster, we actually have a lot of Americans on the roster. If you think about it, like we had number one, uh, number four, uh, number four, number five, um, and number nine. So four, four out of our yeah. nine. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, nine, 10, you know, so you, I'm, I'm talking about, and then 11. So in our top 11, we had, you know, we had five, um, and you know, what we try to do is piece everything together and, and, and everyone should be looking for fit and what fits their program. And I, and I just think, yeah, you know, back in the day it used to be, okay, well, you're going to take a bunch of Americans and then you're going to sprinkle in some international talent. Well, now I think you're just mm. looking for the best mix of players. And that's, yeah. for me, we're trying to find always the people that represent our program. And it does not matter where they're from. It doesn't matter. And, mm. um, 
I truly, truly believe that in order to be the best, you need to surround yourself with the best. And that's from everywhere. And yeah, I've learned so much from the boys and from just because of being from different backgrounds, being from different places, it makes going to work like the best environment in the world because I'm learning something new every day. Like yeah. they're teaching me. Right. And so to be able to go in into that environment makes me better because I want to be better for them. And so it's just, it's, yeah, it's fun. And so, um, but I, I, I think it's just, honestly, I think it's a COVID thing. I think that yeah. because the lack of tournaments, I think we're, our expectations as a country are very high and because of the money that's in it, but it just takes time and it takes, it takes people deciding that this is something that they want to do, which is kind of against the norm, right? Mm -hmm. People are playing squash to get to college. But I think you'll, see, you know, in other countries, they're playing squash because they want to improve and like they're really thinking about playing pro down the line, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's why that generation did so well, the Andrew's generation, because they knew playing pro is an option. If you think think about it, Andrew, Timmy, and Sean are all pro. Yeah. Not Timmy, sorry, it's not Sean. Excuse me, uh, Spencer. Um, yeah, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, I was like, I always put Timmy and Sean together because of the Harvard thing. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, they were both um, brilliant, brilliant. Sean Hughes also incredible. incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Sean was ridiculous at Harvard, but those three, they all, they all played on the national team and turned pro. Yeah. Gilly, I wanted to ask, so you were, you were appointed head coach at 2016 and I mean, who would have imagined that even, even though you guys, you could see it as a downer, but it's incredible how fast you guys moved up the rankings and, I've always been wonder how how what's the first what's the pitch to you know when your program isn't the best already to you know get the top players recruits if that uh, makes sense so yeah I, oh I, I love the question Without, I, I don't want to give away the sauce <laughs> what I say um, this way I, I was thinking about this the other day and one of the cool things is that. I think I'm one of the only coaches that's coaching at their alma mater and oh. played mm -hmm. at their alma mater and coaching and, and, and back coaching. And there's something that, so, you know, I feel very, I, I feel, and I was saying this last night to some people, like, I feel so blessed that Pan accepted me for who I was and what I was at the time. And, and, um, I had applied somewhere else, early decision. I was, the number one, two recruit in the country. And I didn't get in early. Um, I, I won't name the school, but it's, it's a competitor <laughs> of ours. And, and then I, I, I found myself and, and just having the best time in my life. And I have the best friends and teammates. And, you know, I said earlier in the, sh uh, the, the podcast, like we, we weren't close to winning anything, but, but mm. I wouldn't trade those teammates for anything in the world. I still talk to them all the time. And so it's easy for me talking to anyone that we're interested in and, and sharing my love and my passion for the school. Like I, I, it has given me everything. It's given me, um, you know, this fantastic job. It's provided just, I mean, I got my master's at Penn, you know, I, um, just everything, you know, I, I've had alums, you know, you know, after I played pro offer me jobs so that, that I have no business being a part of, but <laughs> it's just this magical place for me that just accepted me for who I was. And so 
my, you know, if I could write a, if I could write a seven figure check back to Penn, I would, if I, if I had that money, I would, but I get to come, I get to come to work every day and basically repay it with energy and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And, and also I'm competitive, Sean. So like I want to win. And so, you know, originally my first year as head coach, I think was my worst year of coaching, my worst year of coaching, because I came in so energetic and so enthusiastic and, 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 and so determined to win that year. And we were talented, but I just coached everyone individually wrong because everyone needs to be coached in a different way. And, and so mm-hmm. figured that out, you know, kind of channeled it back a little bit, but it's just finding people that want to buy into the culture and buy into, mm-hmm. the, buy into the program. And I knew that we had to establish a, a, a strong culture. And that's what I worked on the most at the beginning. And then you find people that want to be a part of that. And then when they buy in, they create the own, their own culture, culture, like within, within, within the group. And that's one thing that the seniors have done. Just, I mean, I, I I'm going to be forever grateful for them just for being amazing people. But I'm, when we're all, you know, we're now fellow alums together and everything like that, but they've established something in our program that, I, I, it just this unbreakable bond of, of brothers, and 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 I think people see that and they want to be a part of it. And um, I don't know. It's just I think if if you can sh- if if you're passionate about something and you really believe in it, you never have to lie or or tell tell. Yeah. You never have to. You're not selling a lie because Some you're selling genuine. something yeah. that's real. Yeah. Like and and I and and the the greatest thing and I said this I said this recently I said well it's easy to sell pen I've never lied about it like my experience because I I lived it you know and so um, I've never you know I, I don't have to kind of sell something that I don't believe in I it's it's hey come here we have this 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 and this and and you can be a part of this and luck you know luckily we we had players and very talented players that wanted to be a part of it and then. All of a sudden, it just builds from there. You know, it's it's tough to compete, you know, with with some big brands. I'm sure you're aware, but yeah, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think of I think of programs like Villanova basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Villanova, small Catholic school on the main line in Philly. Jay Wright's like one of my like coaching idols. I mean, just retired, and I've never met him, but I would love to meet him. But he just established some of this culture that's just like phenomenal, and he gets mm-hmm. his guys in there. And he does it because of of what he's built and, and the family structure. And and my other favorite my, my other favorite team is is Liverpool and Klopp. And I love Klopp. And you know, again, when he came Similar, in yeah. when he came in in twenty fifteen, like or sixteen, whenever he came in, it was like, Well, we're they're eighth in the table. And yeah. they don't have the money that City or Chelsea or United or Arsenal had at the time. And he had to build it from the ground up. But that takes that takes really good a group of really good people, and I can tell you right now, I have the best people around these boys all the time. Whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it is the administration, whether it is their academic support team, whether it is medical, like they are a part of our group. They are as much a part of our group as as anyone else, and they, the boys, trust. Uh, everyone that's there. And, and, and I think that's, that's gotten the best out of them. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, the Liverpool analogy was, I thought pretty spot on, 
but my it's, favorite it's team. Fun. I, if I, yeah. if, if any, if I, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. What if, if the culture is built right, what you can do. Mm. And I think it goes back to like our conversation about Stuart as well. It's like when you have trust in good people, allow them to build. There's no ego. There can't be ego. Ego has to be taken mm-hmm. out of it. Right. And we have, the other thing is as well is like, I mean, you've had them on the show, but we've got like superstar college squash players buying it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. big time, big time players. Right. And yeah. totally bought it. And when your best players are leading by example, everyone else is going to follow. And that, yeah. that's it's hard that's not really to, cool. it's hard not to. Follow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, it's funny cause you know, you think of it right now, like Penn, Gilly Lane, it's like together, but this wasn't always the case with your story cause you were a professional and then you were hit with the unfortunate injuries, which kind of, I read that through it, you kind of transitioned out of being a player pretty early on to become a coach. But I have a question if, if it weren't for the injuries, where would you see yourself right now? Oh God. You know, I, I truly believe everything happens for a reason, and 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 I'm, I probably playing professional squash is hard, like mm-hmm. it is very hard, and the game is brutal. And like I go back on court, and I don't really know how I played uh, for that long because I mean it's just so physical, and I'm glad I'm not playing against the guys now. Um, the question is, I, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I think I had this injury. And I kind of used it as like, okay, well, I got to start looking at what's next. And I just started coaching because I needed to make money because I just wasn't doing anything. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I got this opportunity to kind of go back um, and, and be an, a volunteer assistant, like part-time, like barely there. Barely there. And that was in 2010 with Jack, uh, when Jack took over both programs. And I kind of got a sense of like the coaching aspect of it and had a just love for building teams like love for like that being a part of the recruiting and then building the long-term success and like okay year after year how where's the foundation okay we have the foundation here okay now we need to just keep building keep building keep building and i love that and at the time though i was just volunteer and i I was coaching on my own and i and i started my own coaching company and i had college consultancy part of it um i was helping kids with their recruiting into school and and helping Mm -hmm. You know how they structure essays and like how they would speak to coaches, and then I, I, um, I think it's always just drawn like working with people with with highly motivated individuals is always something that I've I've loved and I love competition. I love being pushed. I love. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably like there's something internal that I just unfinished business really. Um. I said it on my Instagram post when we won the Ivy League championship, but that title was something I was chasing since 2003. Like we were never, yeah. I, I never played in a match in college that never played in a match in college where it was four all. And I was a deciding match. And you have to remember like one, four and seven always played last. There wasn't a shuffle. So I was always on last. So mm-hmm. the match was either already won or lost when I went on. We never played in a set. I've never as a player, never won on Friday at the national championships. So for four years we lost, um, and I loved playing for Penn. Like I like yeah. red, it, like I bleed red and blue, like bleed it. And um, maybe it was something internal that just said, you know, I have to come back, and and I had to, I had some unfinished did, business. Did to you do, did so. you have doubts even 
injuries aside about just being on the professional circuit being like, okay, I need to really start thinking about other things as well outside of squash. Yeah. You, you, you always think, I think the money thing comes into play and, and the yeah. long term, and, and, and you see, you see, um, your friends from college going out and getting really successful jobs and making a lot of money. And you're like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? My dad told me my senior year fall, I turned to him. I said, I want to play pro squash. And he goes, I said, what do you think? And he goes, if you don't do it now, you're an idiot. Like if you don't do it, you're an idiot. You have to go do it. Mm. And that's all I needed. And I, and I, I, I've, I've always wanted to be a pro- professional athlete and went after it. It was only until um, you get kind of to that point in your career where you're not really going up or down. You're just kind of stagnant and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, like how much longer is it going to take me for me to break through? And the, the, the craziest thing is, is like I was kind of like, all right, well, I need a transition out of because of my back. But I played the world, the world team championships in France when I wasn't technically a retired tour player and beat. uh who did I beat there? I beat Cesar Salazar. I beat Greg Lobin. I beat um, Derek Ryan. I beat Yen Shore. This is all in one week. And wow. mm-hmm. kind of like, then I'm kicking myself and I'm thinking like, <laughs> I'm like, well, why didn't you stay on tour? You idiot. Like maybe you could have been top 25 or anything like that. But realistically, did I have the drive to go do that? Probably not. Mm. You know, and I think, if I was honest with myself and, and, and I'd tell this to anyone, it's just not a secret, but like when I had that injury, I was like, okay, time for me to transition. Like what's my next, what's my next move? You're and ready. Yeah. I, I think maybe, you know, you, you kind of hit your peak, what at 26, 27, 28, when you're playing on the tour. Mm-hmm. And I was 25 at the time, 26 or like just had turned 26. So I was like, all right, what's the next, what's the next goal? And I kind of wanted to establish something that was concrete and long lasting. And, and luckily enough, I kind of landed on my feet and, um, I interviewed when I was in New York, I, I interviewed for a, a, a pretty big head coaching job and I didn't get it, which then gave me another chip on my, like my shoulder to want to prove people wrong. And then mm-hmm. I had two assistant, assistant coaching, uh, job offers uh and i took one of them and i'm still at the same school today <laughs> panned, uh, panned out pretty well <laughs> I, I, the, the other the other i mean the other school that I, the assistant coaching job offer is a that they've been pretty good <laughs> since that time too <laughs> so so uh yeah but no it's 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 all worked and, and and i have to thank i mean there's the alumni first and foremost like for their support but also to to jack like Jack took me on as an assistant and again, talking about no ego, like mm-hmm. he was the director of squash for both teams and, and, and like pushed this, this pathway through for me. And yeah. like, without him having no ego, like it wouldn't have been possible. And, you know, I'm entirely grateful for that because, you know, I, again, I probably would have had to go somewhere else and, and, and I didn't, I don't want to go anywhere else, you know, like I'm, I'm here, you know? So it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to transition into the quick fire segment now. I'm, I'm very sure. nervous about this section, by the way, Sean, <laughs> very, very nervous about this section. Okay. We're going to start off with some squash ones to start it off. Um, Gilly, you're 10 love down in the fifth game. Are you the type of player to go for it or play it out? 10 love down. Yeah. In the fifth, um, 
depending on which round it is and who it's against, <laughs> um, I have bageled. I have bageled three people in the fifth. So I've 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 done the uh, the Quite, opposite on yeah. the tour. Um, I think I'd probably go into exhibition mode. I, you just try to get one point, right? You just got to yeah. get one point. Yeah, eleven love is not what you want. <laughs> what are your thoughts on best of three? I'm mixed because I think that at matches now where best of three, I think it, it keeps the crowd very entertained. And I think for the spectators, we need to continue looking at our sport on how we are going to improve it. And especially mm-hmm. from a spectator point of view. And I think Canary Wharf does a good job. Um, and also in San Francisco, like, you know, you're showing up for four matches, you know, you're going to be there for two hours. Right. But yeah. we've had best of three go 56 minutes or something like that. So, but I, but I also think there's such an endurance aspect. I was a more of a physical player. So that mm. would have hurt me, um, I think. Um, but again, it's not a good look when matches are 11 minutes. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's, that takes all the training and things like that out of it. So um, I, I'm always interested in, in, in seeing new scoring systems and trying things out. I think I, I do like the best of five. What's, yeah, gotcha. Um, what are your thoughts on softball doubles? And I know college squash had the tor- tournament as I well. Think, I actually think on the 13-inch 10 and wide court, it's a good game. Yeah. I think it's, I think, I think played the right way and, and watching it, it's, we just, we're so used to America playing hardball doubles. So mm. our reaction, our reaction is, oh, well, what's that game? You know, I, but I think you look at it played in the Commonwealth and I think played on a 13-inch 10 when they lowered the 10, it made it really exciting. So I like it. Gotcha. And what are your thoughts on commentators? And I also, also wanted to ask you, is that something you ever what interested you? I, I, I so I know all the commentators very well. So <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything, anything bad about any of them. I, I have good relationships with it all. Um, yeah, I think honestly, I think, said the other day i think it was Stu. he was like i could see you being in sports broadcasting like i think that's like yeah. he goes if you weren't coaching that's that's what you would do and and i always wanted to do like that would be something that i i wish i kind of was either an entrepreneur major in college or a communication major you know knowing what i know now um i yeah. love doing the uh emceeing bits um now but, yeah. but I'm, I'm actually just trying to take take more off my plate at the moment and um and and really focus on on the task at hand, the goal obviously of, of getting back to, to where we were last year, and uh, and and becoming a, and being a good good father, you know. And and so, yeah. family is really important to me. The boys are really important to me. Um, you know, I, I, I love them dearly, and so I need to make sure that I'm I'm doing everything I can um, to do to put them in the best position to succeed, and 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 that means being around and 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 giving them the time, and, and so. Um, yeah. commentating. I mean, I think, um, I think that I think, I think when, when Joey and I think Chris Gordon was doing it originally, like back, back in the day, I'm talking about like, this yeah. is like PSA, PSA live. Like it was, it was pretty, it was pretty great. And then, I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. I think they've done a really good job. I think squash TVs, it just gets better and better and they're, they're trying new mm-hmm. things. And so, 
Yeah. About let me rephrase the question: Is there someone you would like to see in that booth that hasn't really been there? Oh, like a former player or like a former a player? Yeah, former player. Anyone in the squash community that you think would be great? So it's it's if you kind of let it'd be funny to have like I knew. I know LJ, Angema, and, and Cameron Pilly pretty well. Mm-hmm. So when you know, just to get those guys together talking about the game would be pretty funny if, if it was if you just let them loose, right? If it wasn't as professional, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Cameron's comments from the couch were pretty great on Twitter, and so like we used, to, I used to follow that. Um, I'm just trying to think of someone who was like someone from the tour days. You know, I'd love to hear Mazins thoughts yeah on like what people are doing because he's just his game is so unique and he's yeah. just a, he's he's a hilarious guy and i he's he's just he's got great energy and like <laughs> i mean i'm sure you now notice for me anyone who's got high energy i kind of i kind of go towards and so i i, I appreciate that um but i think we just you, you got to keep bringing in players from all over and just getting different mm-hmm. perspectives on everything and i think sometimes when we have we have that perspective you learn something new about the game because we're all saying the same things over and over but like sometimes when it's said in a new, in a new way you kind of like oh wow okay i didn't even look at it like that um, yeah i look at the game completely different than um not completely different than than Stu, but we have we look at it in different lenses and yeah. um and so it's it's good to see and and same with jack we probably look in three different lenses so at at, at school so uh, I think having pe- different people in there. I just, I, I just off the top of my head, John, put you in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too, way too flattering. That would be great. But... <laughs> put you in there. It would actually be good to get good to get people. I think what would be actually great is if they did sideline reporting, uh, more oh, sideline yeah. reporting. And um, I wish that the coaches were mic'd up. Uh, I think having the coaches mic'd up in between games, getting the coaches back, would be great. But much like they do at the U.S. Open in tennis or any tennis event, they should have somebody in the crowd asking questions, I think, to people and, and their thoughts and kind of touring around like in between games or like during during a game would be incredible because I think to get yeah. insight there would be phenomenal. See, this, this is the thing. I The whole inspiration of even doing this for me was, I mean, kind of changed from my what my initial thoughts were. But I really just wanted a post-game like press conference for the people who've lost. I, yep. I'd love to hear their thoughts. And hopefully, as I continue doing this, I can get more of a relationship with players and start doing that as well. But yeah, well, I, I, think I totally agree with this sideline thing as, as well. You, it's it's getting, and, and I think, you know, again, um, what you've done is, is you've gotten insight into a, a lot of college players. And it's, a, it's an interesting time in their lives because it's really the first time that they're making decisions, adult decisions by themselves. And yeah. they're playing this big sport that some of them are going to go on and play pro. So to, to hear, hearing the stories of everyone that you had on your pod, it's been phenomenal. I think one of the cool things would, you know, to get in college squash would be, yeah, post-game reaction or getting someone right off, right after, you know, doing a, uh, a mid-year show or, or, you know, just kind of yeah. almost like a Big Ten network or the ACC network. You know, you could, right, you could, right. you could start the, uh, the, the, the CSA, the CSA network or something like that, Sean, but like, <laughs> Doing a you know a, a draft uh, or a, a recruiting a recruiting rankings list or something like that and having a show on that, I think we have a long ways to go. But I think 
having shows like that on the PSA on the, the, on squash TV would be incredible. Like a segment each month, like a 30 minute show where you kind of have people's thoughts on their training and, and, and thoughts on tournaments and things like that. I think it'd be phenomenal, you know, more content like that. I think everyone loves. And and I think for the younger generation, they just want to hear what their idols are doing, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and how they train and how they've gotten to, to where they've gotten. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do some spicy questions that I know Gilly's been waiting for me to ask. Um, who do you think is the most underrated player on tour right now? Underrated player on tour. Oh gosh. You know, I don't think he's underrated, but I don't think Marsh gets a lot of love as, 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 yeah. as clean as he plays and how well he moves. And he's just a classy, he's just a classy guy. Like I've known and him. He's for been a really consistently up there. He's consistently yeah. up there. He's, he's he's trying to break through into the top ten, um, and I think he's right on the cusp. And I just, but he does it in such a way that he doesn't. He he's not looking for the attention, but he just kind of allows his his play to kind of do the talking. And I always love that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. He's a, he's a little bit younger than me. He was he was one of the kind of top guys in, in Europe coming on tour when I was kind of just getting off. So we yeah. kind of crossed paths for, um, you know, for for a brief moment. We never played, but I've always enjoyed watching him play, and I, and I love his determination, his fight, and uh, just kind of the way he goes about it. Yeah. I'm not going to ask the other question because I don't think you're going to Yeah, because I, I, I can tell you right now, I knew which way you were going, and, and I was trying to think. But you know what? It's I know most of the guys now. I I, I know you know I've known them. I know them off court as well, and mm-hmm. you know, and so that no one would appreciate that. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I wouldn't want I'm to rephrase to, the question. What, I, what would they call me the most overrated player in the top fifty at the time? Yes, I think everyone would pick me. <laughs> um, how about how about during when you were on the tour? Who was like one player that you disliked playing, just in terms of clash of your playing style? Well, you probably could say Julian Ellingworth because I, I was one in, you know, 40 against him. Um, it was kind of like, you know, it, it, we we would always play. I think he was such a good athlete. He matched my athletic ability. And then um, and then his hands were incredible. And, 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 and I was always number two in the U.S. at that time. And so I was always trying to beat him. And I just always struggled against him. And I always thought that, this was the time I was going to take him. And, and um, yeah, my record against him is pretty bad. It's like, I, I don't want to compare myself to Roddick and Federer, but it's like Roddick's record against <laughs> Federer. You know, like, uh, like, I think someone back in the day asked me, you know, how's the rivalry? I said, well, it can't be a rivalry if you never, if you never win. <laughs> and so uh, he was always tough to play. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. I always played, you know, I played Clinton Liao a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. I struggled against him. Um, and that was just pure because the physicality, um, but I didn't, I didn't mind playing anyone. Um, you know, yeah. you're always going to have guys that, uh, might be, you know, block a little bit, but that was just kind of, you dealt with that and that you had to learn how to deal with that. How about one underappreciated college squash player? You think? Oh, underappreciated college squash player wow from our team or from a different team 
And it could be on your team or any other team. Just you know, anyway. uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think. <laughs> I mean, Saxham, I think, is un- underappreciated. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 hard. I mean, you you you. I mean, again. I think I, I listened to an earlier podcast of yours. Uh, you're talking about the lineups and things like that. He, uh, you know, I'm t- it's not. It, I can tell you, it's not a stack. We definitely have a plenty of challenge matches, and I think you talked about it with Stu. Um, yeah, I did. So actually, let, let me think about that for a sec because there's someone on the top of my head that that I I I've always had an, a, a, a huge amount of respect for, and it's just it, it's. I thought this question was coming, but now I, I, I've lost. I've lost my track of thought. <laughs> I would say Saxon. Sure. I'd say I also say Dylan. Dylan Huang, like I yeah. don't think gets the, the amount of respect that he deserves. And, and obviously, I see him work on a daily basis, and and, and how hard he works. I think so he's I also tremendously think, improved since. Oh my god! Yeah, the day he's arrived yeah. at Penny. Yeah, yeah un, unbelievably so. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, who who? You know what's going to be annoying is that the moment that we end this, I'm going to think of the person and, and, and I'm going to text you. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to transition into some life-related ones, step away from the squash. But sure. you know, if you're shipwrecked on an island and all your basics are covered, what are the two things you bring with you? Oh, gosh. So basics, I would say um, I need some sort of ball, whether, you know, to, to, to I, I, I've soccer ball, baseball, tennis ball, I need something to juggle, you know, that would be, that would be fine. Yeah. And I mean, my wife would say my phone because it's always with me, but obviously I can't have that. Um, and oh gosh, and it wouldn't be a book. I'm not much of a reader. So, um, <laughs> gosh, I don't know if I'm on an Island, make sure I get some sunscreen, sunscreen and a, <laughs> that, and a that ball. Is I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about, Best purchase you've made and worst purchase you've made. Um, purchase I've made was was my was the Peloton, I think, during yeah. during COVID. COVID, yeah. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty tight and um, <laughs> pretty tight and uh, uh, purchasing that was a it was a big thing and and honestly <laughs> kept kept my sanity during covid um mm-hmm. ended up, got got back into shape and used that time actually wisely and um you know i think there was a somebody saying like people used went one or they went one of they went one way or the other way during covid i went <laughs> i went i went the good way thankfully i was very fortunate with that uh yeah. worst purchase oh my gosh that's a tough question worst purchase I'm I'm just trying to I'm just trying to think. Everything's just a score when you yeah, buy it. Uh, right, you know, yeah, for sure. I, I thought I was just going to get into records. I'm like looking at our record player right now mm-hmm. in my in my little man cave here. I've never played a record on it. Like I, you know, I, I bought it. I bought it because I thought it'd be cool to get into records, and I've never played a record. On it. It's one of those so classy it, habits that you wish you picked up and you. Yeah, really yeah, into. yeah, 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 and, yeah. And it, it's it's not like an expensive purchase, but I'm looking at it now, mm-hmm. and I'm like. There's no reason. There's no reason for me to ever get that, you know. And like, and so, um, I know it's a kind of lame, but to be honest, I only buy things that I need. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I, I don't like excess. Like I, 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 when I go shopping, I know what I want. I go there and I yeah. get it. And I don't yeah. like having. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I'm not necessarily a minimalist, but like 
I only buy things because I, I, I need to use them and, and they have, there's a reason for it. I don't want extra of anything. Yeah. And biggest pet peeve for you. Oh, okay. This is biggest pet peeve. All right. When you're out to dinner as a group, okay. Out to dinner as a group and the waiter comes up and you've ordered your food and it's bringing out the food. And she said, she, or he says, so-and-so who's got the eggs, eggs Benedict. And the kids are all looking around, looking around. And it's literally the foods right in front of the person who, and they're on, and the kids are on their phone and everything. And, and it's like after 30 seconds, Oh, that's mine. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? And, 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 and if I don't say this, Stu, Stu will kill me. It's like where I'm like Stu and I are a married couple. Uh, Stu will kill me. He goes, uh, not responding to text messages. Biggest pet peeve. Uh, Especially <laughs> when I see people have read the text message. The boys, I get on the boys all, uh, about that all the time. I see you on the Instagram, but you haven't responded to the text. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like we're on the we're on the or on the group chat. I see you've read the message. Why haven't you responded? I don't get it. Yeah. Um, and 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 being late, being late is mm. uh, a bit. Those three, but the first one's more on the road when we're eating as a team. The yeah, it seemed like one, a very personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> And it happened today. At, 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 I was at, I was at lunch earlier. It happened today at a, a group that was like sitting next to us. I was like, "Your food's right there. Like it's right there." And he's like, "Oh, that's mine. Oh, okay, yeah, perfect." <laughs> oh, it's so. too funny. And favorite non-squash athlete. Favorite non-squash athlete. Can I give you a, a couple? Yeah. Um, okay, so Steven Gerrard. Love, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Liverpool football legend. fan, like yeah. massive football fan. Um, I would say that I'm a huge Embiid fan because I'm a Sixers fan. Philly. I love Embiid. Yeah. Um, I was a massive Iverson fan back in the day. Just loved oh. his heart. I loved his passion. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a insanely we're, we're a huge philly sports fan team mm-hmm. fans here in the house and and so anyone that shows that passion desire that hunger that wants to win um you know i think that i, I kind of root for that person the underdog um you know um i love nadal when i was training like i just yeah. liked his work ethic and i liked the way he trained i liked the passion he played with it's nothing against federer i just i just kind of i more like the way rafa did things mm-hmm um yeah i mean I, I would say gerard was like just i mean he was the captain he was a hometown kid and, and it resonated with me and just loved the way he does things and now he's in managing you know he's in he's in management now and, and, and so love that um yeah it's funny we, we play this game sean and 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 i know you're a basketball fan because you're a celtics guy yeah but we always me and my buddies we always we play this Game. Oh, give me the Gilly Lane starting five, or the or the so and so starting five of NBA players, and it's based off personality and and <laughs> and how they play. And no, you know, no surprise. I get the Draymond Green, uh, Pat Bev, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, you know, top three in mind, and they're like, oh, Gilly Lane starting five. <laughs> I'm great. I'm like, oh, energy, biggest chip on their shoulder. The, yeah, the gritty, off, you know. <laughs> I love I I love anyone that has passion, um, yeah, passion for what they do and um, does it the right way and goes about it the right way in a classy way. 
Gotcha. Well, um, Gilly, thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to wrap it up there, folks. Uh, that was incredible. Thank you for the transparency. It was fantastic to have you on. Appreciate it. Sean, you're the man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.